Good morning, everyone. Sometimes when we read the Gospels at Mass or we hear the readings at Mass, we only hear it within a certain context. But the Scriptures are meant to be read as a whole. We're supposed to experience the Scriptures in the totality. So in order to really grasp what we're listening and hearing today, it's important to know what happens before and what happens afterwards. In our Gospel today, we, we have this incredible event of the Transfiguration. Jesus being revealed in his divine glory before his disciples. But let's look just a, look a, a few verses before this, this event to see what Jesus, what his context was. Jesus had just announced to his disciples a prediction of his passion, the first prediction of his passion. He said to them, I'm going to suffer, I'm going re- to be rejected, I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise from the dead. Now, this would be very shocking news to his disciples. They, 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 they were journeying with him for three years, right? They, they had seen him do miracles and, and speak with authority and, and do these wonderful things, but they would, just never, they would never expect that their rabbi, their master, is going to suffer at the hands of other people and die. Like, that seems like a failure mission. But Jesus wanted to let them know that like, this is actually his messianic mission. They're thinking with human eyes, but he wants them to see with, like, divine, with divine eyes, with the eyes of God. In, in, in Israel, in Hebrew hist- uh, culture and history, the Messiah was the anointed one, the Davidic king, right? So they, they had this whole, they, all these prophecies leading up that the, there would be one in the, in the line of David, a king, and, and he, he would come to, to have like power but they thought it was like, you know, be able to conquer the Romans or have like this kind of like this um, political power. But Jesus is saying, open your eyes to something new. And the next thing he says is actually even more shocking in a sense. He says to them, pick up your cross and follow me. Now, we think of cross in a very different way than the disciples would have thought of the cross. We see it as a spiritual significance of what Christ did for us, dying for our sins, Uh, We see them hanging in our churches. But for the disciples of the time, none of this, none of the passion happened. All they know about the cross is that crucifixion is a brutal, shameful way to die. This is how Romans tortured and killed people uh, who who they seemed deemed deemed to fit to to experience such a punishment. You You were crucified naked. It was excruciating. It was humiliating. And they're hearing Jesus say, take up your cross. This, this, would, this would have just shaken them up to their core. Like, we, we've had a good time with you, Jesus. It's been really good. We've really enjoyed our time journeying with you and, and discipling with you and being on mission. But you want us to die this horrific death? What does that mean? Jesus, the, the, the leader of the apostles, he had just proclaimed Jesus' identity and made a great profession of faith. He said, Jesus, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. But even Peter who has this great leap in faith and has the eyes of faith to see who Jesus is, he brings Jesus aside and he says to him, like, Lord, like, God forbid you should go through this. And Jesus says the famous line we're we're aware of. He says, get behind me, Satan. You're seeing with human eyes, not with divine eyes. This is the light that we're leading into the transfiguration. And the last thing Jesus says to his apostles in this little dialogue is he says, amen, I say to you, There are some standing here who will not taste death 
until they've seen the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So he leads the three disciples, Peter, James, and John. They're kind of like the inner circle. And and they go up this mountain. And they have, in a sense, a prophetic... They see see a prophetic gesture of, of the kingdom. Jesus in his glory. The same thing happened with Moses in, in, in the Exodus, right? He, he, he goes up Mount Sinai, and a glory cloud covers the mountain, and he speaks to God. In, 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 the, in the Exodus history, whenever you saw a cloud, it meant God's presence, his manifest presence. It, it, it would hover over the, te- the, me- the tent of meeting where the tabernacle was, and God was there. It would lift up and go somewhere else, and, they, and the people would know to follow God wherever the cloud went. So imagine the disciples knowing this history and being there on the mountain with Jesus, and they, they, just, they, they, see, they see this transfiguration. They see Jesus' face become as bright as the sun and his clothes as white as, as, uh, as snow. And all this time, Jesus had had his, his divinity covered by his humanity. He, he was very much human to, to, to his disciples. Yeah, sure, he did a lot of divine acts and, and miracles, but most of the time they, they, they saw him as, 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 as a rabbi. And they get a glimpse of his divine majesty, who he is. He's standing beside Elijah and Moses. Elijah and Moses represent the law and the prophets. Moses is the prophet, the great prophet of the Old Testament. A lot, no, I got this mixed up, my bad. Elijah is the great prophet of the Old Testament, and Moses is the one who gave the law and received it from the Lord. So they represent the whole Old Testament. And Jesus conversing with them is saying, like, I'm the fulfillment of all the scriptures. Like, I'm more than just a good teacher. I'm the Messiah. And I'm going to die for, for, you, for your salvation. Are you willing to follow me? And so that's why he's so intentional with bringing these three leaders, right? James, Peter, James, and John. He says, you're the leaders of the apostles. I want you to be strengthened this time and experience my glory so that when it comes to the passion, you're going to remember who I am and have the strength to face through it. And they're also, they're the, they're the ones who are going to strengthen the other apostles and tell them, like, guys, this isn't the defeat. The death of Jesus is not the end of this, but he's, going to, he's actually, he's, he's our Lord, and he's revealed himself to us in this way. So as I said, the, the cloud comes down. And right away, Peter is just captivated. He's captivated. He, he starts just, just rambling on. He's like, Peter, uh, Jesus, like, this is great. I'm, I'm really happy you're here with Moses and Elijah. He's probably not even sure what he's saying. Um, let's make three tents. Let, let's hang out here. Let's enjoy this moment. Let's just be here. And of course, there's a deeper sy- sy- symbolicness to the tents. It represents the, you know, the Feast of Tabernacles and such. I'm not going to go into that. But what I want to drive home is that Peter is captivated by the glory of the Lord. And, you know, we, 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 we've all enjoyed the fruits of our faith, right? We enjoy going to Mass. We enjoy having our consolation in prayer. We enjoy our religious communities. But the Lord is calling us to have a moment of the transfiguration in each of our lives where we experience the divine glory of God, like God actually revealing himself to you. And when you're in that moment, that mountaintop experience, people call it, just stay there. Stay with, their, stay with the Lord and let him reveal himself to you and show you who he really is. And let that encounter motivate you through your times of struggle, through your times of, of doubt, 
We, we're, we're all going to go through desolations. But it's in those times that you have to say to yourself, oh, I know who Jesus is, and I know what he has done for me, and I know that he's going to bring me through this. Paul talks about, about the transfiguration in a different light in his letter to the Corinthians. He says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, are being transfigured into the same image from one degree of glory to another. He uses the same word that's in, the, in the, the transfiguration. He says, like, the Lord wants to transfigure us. We're, we're all part of that inner circle now. It's not just the three apostles, but we're all invited to that through our baptisms. We're inv- all invited to have this experience. And as Jesus was transfigured visibly, we saw his, the visible manifestation of who he is. That's what the Lord wants to do in each of our hearts. He wants to tra- transfigure us internally, that we glow from in- within. And, 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 and to, to give us that hope to get to the, to, to the promised land, to the kingdom. In these 40 days of Lent, we, we, we might see it as a difficult time. We might say, like, oh, it's, it's a day of, it's time of fasting, and I have to say no to this, I have to say no to that, and it's just so difficult. But actually, let, let's see this as a time of encounter, right? The, the, the people of Israel were in the desert, and they could have complained and said, Oh, you know, like, we're, the Lord has deserted us. But actually, it was a time when the Lord was very close to them. It was a time of intimacy and encounter. And his cloud, the glory cloud, came among them. And he gave them the law, and he gave them himself. During these days, let, let, let us have that kind of faith to lean into that encounter with the Lord and expect that the Lord wants to reveal himself to us and how much more that's going to help us enter into his passion and remember who he is in his divine glory. Amen?